0: Each episode of Education with an Edge is
1: meant to create, cultivate, and inspire honest discussion about issues affecting youth. Hosted by author, artist, educator, advocate, and speaker, Jekyll Lane.
0: Hello and welcome. This is Jekyll Lane, your hostess of Education with an Edge, the podcast that's dedicated to all things youth because we believe that every child matters and you should too. I am so very honored to be here with Dr. Beth Merkel. Dr. Beth Merkel is a people leader and a potential maximizer. Beth is fascinated with the human experience. What motivates us? What connects us? What differentiates us? And how does this all come together in the intricate system that we call the workplace? She's a leadership person professor who believes that love and compassion play as much, well, actually more of a role in leadership as do spreadsheets and process analysis. Beth has spent many years of her career as a successful entrepreneur and training and development consultant before completely switching careers for new adventures in the world of higher education. She earned her doctorate in leadership studies from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and currently she is the director of the Master of Science in Organizational Leadership Program at the College of St. Mary in Omaha, Nebraska. This is where real-life leadership meets leadership theory and research, and the results are pure magic." dr. Merkel I'm so very honored to have you here on education with an edge today
1: oh thank you so much for inviting me to join you it's it's exciting it's my first podcast
0: well I'm so a we're so honored and also I have to say dr. Beth Merkel is the coolest professor I've ever met and I have had a lot of professors so you just <laughs> seem like an awesome like I want to take your class and we're gonna get into that but um, like such a phenomenal woman so um, Beth I think that we need to start from the beginning I think it's really essential to understand your remarkable story fully. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and your childhood?
1: Sure, (laughs) sure. It was a long time ago. Let's see if I can remember that. Uh, Yeah, um, grew up um, in Cleveland, Ohio, and I am part of a very large Catholic family. So anyone who is from a large Catholic family understands that there's this whole different dynamic attached to that, right? So I was a middle child. um, And I think that explains a lot of it, too. I tell my students, like, I need your attention. I'm a middle child. right. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a, a practicing Catholic right now, but um, it did form a lot of my early uh, cultural awareness and um, frame a lot of the decisions that I've made in my life. And um, being from a big family, it's, uh, you learn to manage people, you learn to observe early on. And uh, I think that's again, been a big part of what has shaped me. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, and who was, you know, you, you speak about, about shaping, shaping you when you were younger, who was kind of a mentor in your life growing up and how did they inspire you?
1: Oh, you know, that is such an interesting question. Um, I wish I could think of somebody. Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't, nobody's, My uh, name or face fills that space for me. Yeah. So um, I don't think I had one. Yeah. Uh, Parents, of course. Sure. You know, uh, know, I don't want to disrespect my parents who were amazing mentors in a parental sense. But outside of that role, um, I guess I wish I would have had one, right? Yeah. I I think things might have been a little different Yeah. had I had someone who I felt was in my corner cheering me on. Maybe that's a lot of why I do what I do.
0: I was going to say, that's <laughs> why you are a mentor to so many, so many yeah. women. Um, and, and that probably shaped your story in ways that we're just still finding out, right? And yeah. so that's so, so cool. Um, you know, you are highly motivated to support others on their journey towards leadership. So can you tell us a little bit about where your passion for this began?
1: Oh gosh, um, yeah. I th- I think part of it started um, interesting, a- and it- it's going to sound a little bit like a sob story. That's not what I'm talking about here. Yeah. But just just from always growing up, feeling unheard, right. a little bit unseen, right, right? and knowing that um, I don't know, hoping I had a voice, not knowing it, but hoping I did, and then finally finding it and you know much later in life much later in life but um it was an interesting eye-opening time for me this unfolding of self and i thought well if i have this this potential this voice then then who else does and how can we hear that how can we understand other people and that's where I see their potential I, I was um in a past life, a past career, I was a recruiter, and I was a really good recruiter that because I could see people's potential and I wanted to hear their voice and once I did that, I could place them with the right um you know organization in the right job um, so i th- I think that f- helped form my understanding of the need for really good leadership. Yes. Leadership as we have understood it in the past, the assumptions that we make about leadership, things that we are told leadership is, but real leadership that says, I see you, I hear you. Now, here is what I saw and here is what I heard and it's good. Now, how can we use these amazing things that make up you f- to reach your goals, to maximize the people around you. Um, that to me is leadership. And I think that's um, born out of my own need for leadership.
0: And I think what's so beautiful about your story, and I'm going to bird walk just for a second, but um, the fact that you Pinpointed so many very important things like the fact that oftentimes I think in education or in the workplace, we tend to put children or adults into a certain box and mm-hmm. we say, you know, oh, well, they're maybe not as good at this as, as this or whatever. And then we grow up kind of thinking that we're a failure in certain area. And it's really not the case. It's just that someone hasn't identified our strengths like you were able to do mm-hmm. when you were in that position, um for recruitment or with your students like with being students. able to yeah. yes being able to recognize those beautiful gifts in people that they might not recognize in themselves mm-hmm. and so kudos to you for learning from that experience and although i'm sure that that was painful at the time having the feeling of not being heard and i think we can all identify with mm-hmm. that um turning that into such a marketable and not just marketable, but such, uh, an important, important strength. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, thank you. Yes, no, thank you. Um, so can you tell us, uh, about your experience, um, as a professor at the college of St. Mary, um, you know, a- about your students, about what you love about your position, um, all of the good things. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge supporter of the College of St. Mary, and so you can maybe give our viewers a little bit of background and, and oh. whatever you feel comfortable with.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, how much time you got? Yeah.
0: <laughs> good, like, five hours.
1: No. Yeah. So if I start, you know, preaching and, I love it. and just, just I will give me some signal. You. And <laughs> yeah, um, College of St. Mary is um, helped me find my voice a long time ago in my master's program. Um, it is a small private Catholic uh, university in Omaha, Nebraska, and um, it is to date probably the best kept secret in town and I hope that's that's just not the case anymore. Um, spread the word. Um, what drew me back to College of St Mary after I completed my master's degree there and and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> And then went on because of what I learned there, because of what I realized about myself there. Um, I had the guts and maybe the uh, lunacy to go on for a doctorate. <laughs> so then after all of that, was called back to work at College of St. Mary, and I pursued them purposefully because they are one of the few institutions that I have worked with that really lives their mission. Yes. Are we perfect? No, 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 no. But we really try. Yes. And our mission includes um, excellence in education. It includes integrity. It includes compassion. It includes loving others, social justice. And when we as faculty, staff, or students feel that uh, in a certain situation we've kind of gone off the tracks a little bit or lost sight. Um, we can always point back to our mission and we're heard. Yes, I love that. Again, are we perfect? No, but there's something um, inspiring um, and important yes. about the way we at St. Mary's do our best to walk our talk. Yes. Mm. So I, um, I instill that in my students. It really helps create a very safe learning environment, which is an overused term. But gosh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yes. <laughs> where it's okay to make mistakes. Yeah. It's okay to not, you know, not know mm-hmm. the answer. And then we explore together. And my program um, is completely online. Yeah. So it's hard to create that safe space. It's hard to create that learning community, but um, the College of St. Mary, MS in organizational leadership, magic has made it so. Um, And a big part of that is the foundation of the way we live out our mission and the way we care about people, the way we see them, we hear them, we value each other. Can we call each other out <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and that's okay It's all right. and that's necessary right mm-hmm. sometimes um or, or like I say you know call people in too yeah and we all need need a check on that um One of the other things that you and I have discussed that you're very passionate about and have a a wealth of not just knowledge, but experience is your passion for educating women leaders. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you tell us a little bit about where that passion stemmed from and and what is your impetus to continue fighting for women to have a voice um, in in leadership?
1: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, it goes, you know, I'm sure back to... um, you Know back when I was a child, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you start, start all of us charging me psychiatrists. <laughs> no, I love it, yeah, uh, um, rates, but um, it, it does everything we do is based in our experience, our collective experience as well. So, you know, mine growing up as a child of the 60s, 70s, kind of coming into my own in the 80s, um. That was a tough time for, for women, and, you know, it's just a lot of it self-exploring, a lot of people telling us what we should be um, despite what we were or what we wanted to be or what we felt called to be. There was a lot of you shoulds. Um, once I learned to set those aside and be who I am as a woman, which is a continuing journey, um, I, the, the the power that's in that, not just for myself, but, but that I can share with other people. And as a woman, I feel that it's so important for women who are in a different position than men. Um, I won't say better. I won't say worse. Different. Yeah. We influence differently. We interact differently. And, and what a power, what a gift. And to unleash that into the world and whatever situation we're in is a beautiful thing. And I've seen the power in it. Um, the power in women's leadership was, was so evident when I went through the master. Um, it was master of arts at the time, um, in organizational leadership at college of St. Mary. It was, um, predominantly a women's, um, program then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And College of St. Mary is female-centric in the undergraduate. So um, women who've never had the voice have that safe space to experience their own power. And it's a wonderful thing. In our graduate programs overall in St. Mary's and certainly in my program, organizational leadership, we strive to bring all voices. So I heavily recruit men to my program as well. And we've got about, um, oh, about uh, 25% of our population right now uh, in the program are men. And the the male voice is heard as well as women. Um, And that's important because we learn to talk with each other. We learn to explore together as partners, to offer each other our perspectives that are so different and yet, so complimentary. So, how wonderful and and surprisingly similar in yes. many ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I have a. I'll, I'll share a quick story, um, and that is, I had a student um, contact me, and I won't give his name, but he'll he'll recognize himself if he ever hears this, right? Um, but he wanted to come on with the program, and I said, "Okay, why? Why MSOL at College of Saint Mary?" And he was um, white, we'll say late 30s, early 40s guy um, in uh, southern Texas in the oil and gas industry. Okay, in my program? Like, what is that about? Okay, I needed to explore this. Yes. So I asked him, why? Why this program? Why now? And he said, Beth, I'm good at what I do. And he is. Um, he said, I I get the whole white, male, traditional, dominant leadership thing. I get it, and I can do it. He said, but that's not the best way to lead. He was in a situation where he, um, he suddenly found himself sharing an office with three women. Sure. Right? And these women were um, international women. I don't know if that plays a part in the story, but he, but he shared that with me. And he said... I listened to the way these women talk, the way they think, the way they interact, the way they notice people, and the way they use what they notice to build people up. And he said, Beth, I want to come into your program. I want to learn how to do that. And I was like, come on, let's go. (laughs) And he did.
0: uh, But how powerful and what a testament to you and your program that someone like that, would feel comfortable coming in and saying, you know, I want to change. I want to learn. I've done it this way for so long. Yeah, that that's impactful change. Yeah, there.
1: And I think of the courage it took. Oh, yeah. To give up this place of power of what what this person understood and what was working for him for years. I want better. Yeah. And he he's just grown changed. it. His journey through the program was a, a blessing and a joy to watch and experience. And since then, his career has just taken off even more. So yeah. Wow. Fantastic.
0: What a beautiful story. Um, and one that I'm sure you've made such an impact in so many, so many lives yeah. and, and careers like yeah. that. Um, we talked a little bit about, I mean, you have an illustrious resume. Um, and one thing that I really respect and admire is, about you is that um, in our conversations, you always really, speaking of walking the talk, it's like that it's never too late, right? It's never too late to attain your dreams. You've you, you, you lived that. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about your experience about getting your doctorate?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, yes. <laughs> I'll start by saying, um, aside from parenthood, it was probably the most formative experience in my life. Um, First of all, I never thought I could do it. Are you kidding me?
0: That imposter syndrome.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. 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 So I spent like the first many years of my life saying, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then because of certain circumstances, which I shared, I ended up being a uh, single mom with two kids and a high school uh, education. And No child support, right? So then you start to go, I have to. Mm -hmm. I have to reach for this. I have to try. I have to try. And once I started getting some of these, um, and and part of that was an undergraduate. And once I got that, then it was, well, I wonder what else I can do. So you see this evolution of self, right? And I see this in my students. Um, So that's really what um, I, I didn't think I could do it. So I thought, well. What the heck? I wonder if I can. So I applied, knowing that there's no way they're going to let me in. They did.
0: <laughs> Yay. <laughs> yeah. Of okay. course they did.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, so I had to trust that um, these wonderful professionals knew what they were doing yeah. and uh, selected me as a teaching assistant. So that's how I started my teaching career, um, which. You know, it is amazing. I had no intention of being a professor, but in in the application for my doctorate, there was a little box that said, you know, do you want to be a, T, a TA? And I was like, I wonder what TA means. Um, and it said, your tuition will be paid. I was like, yeah. Yes. <laughs> TA meant teaching right.
0: assistant. Right. <laughs> You're like, great.
1: <laughs> so then they called me up, said, oh, yeah, you've been ex- accepted into the program. You've been accepted as a teaching assistant. Really? I mean, I didn't know what any of that meant. And yet, wow, um, I, I just tried. I wonder. I wonder if I can do this is what drove me there. Then I got into it and um, um oh, wow. And I had given up so much, I had made a complete change from business, from entrepreneurship, yes, from actually making a living yes. to being a teaching assistant. Oh my goodness. Um and um but found out I have a gift. For teaching, I do. Yes. Um, that's that's not bragging. That's just recognizing. Yes, and I love it. And so um, they fostered that, and they gave me opportunities, and and I taught online. So that was one part of my doctorate. But all the whole time, I was a student in the most challenging courses I've ever taken in my life. I thought I was really a high level academic, and then. I got into a doctorate program, and I just got hit upside the head several times. Um, But I kept coming back because I felt like I had to, right? I suppose I had the choice to quit. It never occurred to me. Um, I was just in it, and then I went. So I was um, getting many, it took six and a half years. Um, But I was just about to defend my dissertation, and I was sitting in my uh, committee chair's office. And, um, and, and thank God for her. She was amazing and, um, and really supportive along the way. Anyway, um, you know, I said, Dr. Hastings, I am not, I'm never the smartest person in the room. I'm just, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm at this point where pretty soon I'm going to be Dr. Merkel. And she said, you know, Beth, okay, you're not the smartest person in the room. I was like, oh, well, (laughs) thanks you didn't have to agree with that part (laughs) but she knew truth Uh, she said but you are the most resilient you are the most resourceful I've never seen anybody come back again and again with different ideas of how to try things to approach things from a different angle so these things that all through my life I've been called stubborn, I've mm-hmm. been called pig-headed, mm-hmm. I've been, you know, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, that I saw as the, these negative aspects of self ended up being exactly what I had to pull on to earn a doctorate. And there are others who, who you know, very few people who start the doctorate pro- process finish. Mm-hmm. I did. And um, it was because of those parts of me that haven't always been valued. And was like, pfft, no, you're not the smartest, but you're the most resilient. You're the most stubborn, if you will. I just did air quotes. <laughs>
0: but how many, I think that's so important. And I think in your story, I picked out several different really, really important things that I feel like our viewers like need to hear because there's someone out there that's thinking about taking a risk or that's ta- thinking about taking making a move, making a big move, and not just your resiliency, but your ability to say, I'm going to go for this, and I'm going to see it through, regardless of what obstacles come in my way, you know, it's that grit piece, that yeah. was the word I was looking for, that yeah. grit piece of like, you know what, um, and I think oftentimes in our society, and I feel confident enough saying this, is that women in, in leadership, in historically, have gotten a bad rap, have been mm-hmm. called Numerous things, <laughs> um, and we won't go into that, but stubborn being, as as you mentioned, you know, and all of those skills coming into play where maybe um, their counterparts, you know, it was seen as, you know, even young children playing in the school, you know, it's like women from a very early age used to be taught to, you know, be quiet, make themselves small, whereas um, if it was, you know, a male child, it was like, well... He's got great leadership skills or, you know, and so um, I heard so, so much valuable information in your story, but that persistence in your willingness to say, I'm going to step out and try, because I think so often in our society, we see things done one way and we see skills that are successful, that have been successful historically in one area, but you bring a completely different perspective to the table and that doesn't mean that that shouldn't be valued. Mm. So, or that that shouldn't be heard. So kudos to you. Well,
1: thank you. <laughs> um, and, and the whole idea that I started my doctorate at 48. Yes. I completely changed careers. Yes. I jumped into a degree program. Yes. At 48 years old. Like, are you kidding
0: me? And, and the universe just opened for you So, but that's, that's what people need to
1: know that it's never too late. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Never too late. Just keep that curiosity. That's right. What's next? next. What else can I do? <laughs> oh, this is interesting. I wonder if I can do that. Right? It'll get you into some trouble, <laughs> like a PhD program. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's always interesting, and it's always fun, and it's always surprising. I would never, ever have imagined this for myself, and yet here I am. And and, and thank God that um, I did ask the questions. I was curious about what I could do because now, because of this understanding of self, and this is something that we cover in the program Mm -hmm. um, in in my um, organizational leadership masters at College of St. Mary, we start with self. And when I see these things in myself, when I have personally been on this journey, when I have examined my assumptions and challenged them and found a new truth then I can say, oh, I can't be the only one in the universe. And I can apply that understanding, that openness to the people around me. And that's where the magic is.
0: Yes. Because you can encourage and inspire and see those gifts in others yeah. and know what they're going through because you went through it. Yeah. yeah. If it's possible for me, it's possible
1: for anybody. <laughs>
0: that's beautiful. Yeah. That is. And, and so important. Um, one of the favorite, one of my favorite quotes that you say, um, in your bio is that you teach that love and compassion play as much, actually more of a role in leadership as do spreadsheets and process analysis (laughs) do. Um, and for me that, you know. I'll just be honest, spreadsheets and processes analysis, I know it's important, it's just not my favorite thing. (laughs) And so Mm -hmm. I just want to hear from someone as successful as you that teaches this curriculum. Can can you tell us a little bit about how how you teach love and compassion um, throughout the program and and how you integrate that into leadership?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Well, first of all, I do want to say that we um, absolutely In the part of the program, we do research and we do statistics and we do spreadsheets and we do analysis. We do all those things. All my favorite things. But, um, it's part of the overall picture in, of leadership and I'll give you a, a little story behind that. When I, when I took over the, uh, program, um, I found a video, um, titled leading with love and, um. I thought, oh, this is really exactly what I want to say to my students, but I was afraid. I thought there, there's potential for the misunderstanding what love means, and I'm going to get pushback, and I'm going to you know, leadership is too soft. All these things. I almost didn't post it. So I then I thought, well, take the risk, right? It's kind of my <laughs> my theme today. Um, so what the heck? But I made it optional. <laughs> optional at the bottom of the pages is an online program at the very bottom of the, of the course page. No one was going to do it. Right. So I made it as low risk as possible. I got an email from a student who said, Dr. Merkel, thank you for including the leading with love video. He said it changed everything because now I understand that I can can use all the management tools, all those things that I know to use, that I am told I should use as a leader, and I can bring in my real self. In his case, it was my faith. My, and, and I can combine them. Now my leadership is whole. And I thought, oh my gosh, we have to. It would be Be remiss on our part, irresponsible not to include leading with love. Since then, um, it has come to the forefront in our program. And that doesn't mean being squishy. It doesn't mean being easy. Anyone who truly has a loving relationship with another knows that love is hard. Love means boundaries. Love means giving difficult feedback well. Love means listening, hearing valuing and we do a lot of um self-exploration especially at first um to examine our um our biases our cultural conditioning our um the assumptions we make and are they what's behind those how are they affecting our decisions how are our decisions affecting other people Hmm, does that need to be adjusted? And and it's fascinating. This the first course in the program, these light bulbs start going off. I I can practically see them and hear them. It's just fascinating. Um but again, from that self exploration, from learning self love in many ways. Yes and compassion that if i feel this way if i have imposter syndrome if i'm afraid if i'm stressed then maybe other people are too and how do i help mitigate that how would not just how would i want to be treated but how do i how do i experience this person to know how they need me treat them to what what do they need from me and that's that's a loving act and it's powerful and um then i i tell my students it's like what you're doing is very loving and it opens a door to i have to take it all sciency but now you're collecting data right because this person doesn't have these walls and they're not having to protect themselves from you and because you've got their back. So now they feel safe giving you this information, you know, that mom has cancer or uh, they're facing some financial problems or the babysitter quit. Yeah. And then you can really help them figure out what resources they have, how they can use them well, how they can be empowered to overcome those obstacles to reach their goal. And that, my friends, is leadership. And it all starts with love.
0: Oh my goodness. Like mind I'm just like mind blown because that's so unfortunately so cutting edge, so revolutionary. I mean, as a as compared to what we used to think of as leadership, right? Of this ruling with an iron fist kind of and control, you know, mm-hmm. over individuals. Whereas moving into this, not ever allowing someone to leave all of themselves at home because that's just not realistic, right? Like we are humans, things happen. So teaching the future leaders or the current leaders um, of our society to lead with love and compassion will actually create more productivity Mm -hmm. and better
1: results. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Which is like, Ah. unleashes that potential right (laughs) right it really does think of it this way um all of the, the huge human um societal changes that have lasted over the millennia have been born of love yes right the the major religious leaders um you can Put Jesus forth, you can put um, even in modern times, Mother Teresa, you can put forth Martin Luther King. the lasting human change has been brought about by love. Now um, are there wars? absolutely are there but every couple of hundred years there's a new war and and it, the boundaries change, and so that's not lasting. We have to come. To an understanding that the the loving ripples we send out um, can gain momentum, and it really is the only way to enact, to to influence, to catalyze real human change for the better.
0: Absolutely, and it's not easy. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's it's. It is a process, but it is the only way, and it is beautiful. I could not have explained that any better than you just did. So thank you. Oh, thank thank you. you for sharing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, um, Dr. Merkel, since this podcast is dedicated to youth and mental health awareness, what would you say to encourage a young person um, who wants to be successful in today's
1: society? Mm-hmm. I would ask them to... Really, um, stop a minute and look at the word success. What does that mean? Wait, what? What does that word really mean? Right? Success is it the corner office with the uh, you know three quarters of a million dollars a year coming in? You know, gosh, you know, uh, could you be absolutely miserable in that situation? Oh, I'd like to try it for a little while. <laughs> I'll let you know. But that's, is that success? I don't know. Is it the freedom to be exactly who you are? Is that success? Even if you're poor? I i don't know. What is success? And it's such an ambiguous term with so many shoulds attached to it. You should do this to be successful. You should do that to be, and every should is like a, a Bowling ball we're dragging around behind us, and in truth, letting go of those weights is the only way to be successful. So, so what is success? What? Who are you? Is what I would ask. Spend some quiet time with self. Um, what do you like to do? What interests you? What questions do you have? And if We learn to be curious, and we learn to be resilient, and to keep coming back to these questions and keep looking for the answers, and we learn to just be kind in the process. Success will find you. Don't, is success something we can go out and get? Uh, uh, Not my experience. Right, right. You know, maybe. Maybe. There are lots of people who would argue that with me. But um, relax into yourself. And um, if somebody says you should, um, ask them with great gentleness and curiosity, why do you say that? What, What evidence do you have? You should look a certain way. Oh, okay. Thank you for that information. Why do you say that? What is your evidence? Just, And again, not with defensiveness, not with slamming it down somebody's throat, but genuine curiosity because there may be some truth in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most likely it falls apart because it's somebody else's should that they're imposing on you. I was like, eh, I got my own shoulds. Let me figure out what those are. You know, be, try and be comfortable with self.
0: I love that. I love that description, because what you're actually encouraging people to do is to enjoy the journey, and I think sometimes yeah. so often, and I'm speaking from personal experience, we try to force and we try to manipulate because we have a view of how it's supposed to look, right? And yeah. I think a lot of young people struggle with that. Maybe how not it just me. Should how look. it should look, yeah. right? Yeah. And so um, I think that your advice is much is much better. To you'll enjoy the journey a lot more, mm-hmm. and isn't that what life? is about, about learning and growing and allowing yourself the grace to do so.
1: Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, uh, I, for the first time in my life, I would probably define myself to have some level of success. Um, is it anything that I imagined for myself in high school? Oh, good Lord, no, I could never have imagined this, yeah. um, even in, um, you know, in my 20s, in my 30s, is this what I imagined? No. Um, and yet here I am. And it's because I learned to stop hearing the shoulds and start being curious about the what ifs. Can I? Is this good for me? And trying things um, and letting go of those things that didn't serve me, yes. but pursuing those things that did interest me, that did intrigue me, that. That, that are not necessarily easy because, you know, <laughs> a doc, you know a graduate level statistics is not easy, but I had to do it. <laughs> um, and I got through because of the end result. And now I'm in a position where I can be director of this master's program and I can open these doors for these other people. I, I would call that success. Um, it's not. What I was told I should do, right. ever, right, but you
0: you opened yourself up, took risks, and blazed your own path, yeah, which is success to me, yeah, honestly,
1: born out of necessity, yeah. had I been super comfortable and yeah, oh gosh, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't have questioned it, yeah, but born of necessity, um, and that's when I said, you know, early on. In my life, probably into, you know, my 30s, I I can't do that. I can't do that because I can't do that because. And then I found myself in extremely difficult situations with two children dependent on me. So I have to do this. I have to do this. I have to. And then there was some success to build on. I was like, hey, I did do that. Huh. Never thought I could. But I've got evidence to show that I did. (laughs) I wonder what else I can do. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And if we can help people get to the I wonder what else I can do. Yeah. without all the pain and the struggling which is formative, yes. Yeah. But I don't think it's all necessary. Right. <laughs> right. What if we unleash that potential early on? Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? I want to find out. That's
0: right. <laughs> That's right. No, that's one of, uh, certainly one of the most inspirational things that I have heard all, all year. <laughs> so congrats on, Fantastic. honestly. Um, so this is a big question, but what are some of, what are some of the goals that you have in the future? What are some of your goals
1: that you have? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know I said it was a big, <laughs> big question. Uh, um, I'll say, you know, um. What uh, what doors am, am I knocking on to see if they're open? I'm curious what's behind some doors here. Um, and one is expanding the program at College of St. Mary, the Master of Science in Organizational Leadership Program. Um, we're just, you know, working on different strategies to really expand the program in terms of, you know, numbers of students, in terms of our diversity, which is... is has come so far in a very short time uh, in terms of our geographical reach and our content and the, you know, the faculty we have, we, I just want to grow and, and build this beautiful thing that we have. And so that, that's, that's where I'm focusing professionally. Um, I also uh, am really feeling the call back to uh corporate to to do training and development. Yes. Yes. So um you know getting in and saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm a great teacher, but I also have corporate experience. I also have um entrepreneurship experience. I I get it." So, um what are your needs? How can we unleash the potential? of your staff, of your people and thus your organization, right? And that that jazzes me. I bet you heard that in my voice. That, yes, that's I was gonna say that excitement. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, and and personally, oh gosh, um, just building on on who's Beth? I don't know. I don't know. Who's Beth? Um, I'm I'm a lot of things um but um, will I be all those things tomorrow? I don't know. So who am I? Um, and exploring that through uh, a mindfulness approach. So um, I know many of your your uh, followers probably just rolled their eyes when I said the word mindfulness. It's such an ubiquitous term that really doesn't mean anything anymore, but it does. Um, and it's also part of my program with um, MSOL at College of St. Mary. Um But mindfulness in its truest sense, um, which is an awareness. Um, John Kabat Zinn, and I'm going to butcher this, so sorry, Dr. Zinn, uh, Dr. Kabat Zinn, um, but he defines mindfulness as the awareness that arises from paying attention on purpose to your present moment experience without judgment. Wow. So. Let's pay attention on purpose. Let's let's be aware of our thoughts, of our feelings, of, how, of the people around us, without judgment. That's really where I'm working. <laughs> right. I've got a lot of judgment in me. I'm so much better than I used to be, but gosh, we have so much, um, so far to go. And when we practice this awareness and a wonderful tool for gaining this awareness is meditation. Yes. Um, and, and there's so many forms of meditation, but I'd really like to expand my understanding of the meditative process and the meditative practice and, uh, do more to bring it to, um, to people in all walks of life. Yes. You know, um, bring it into the schools, bring it into the corporations, bring it in to my life and your life. And, um, Without all the, oh gosh, um, the taboo and the stereotypes associated with it, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we all have to be sitting on a cushion in our saffron robes, you know, with our heads shaved. It means we have to spend some quiet time yes, like, with self, with recognizing what arises um, and not judging it, but being aware of it. That's powerful stuff right there, you know? Again, I look at it and I tell my students, look at all the data you're collecting. (laughs) Yes,
0: yes, yes.
1: Information is power. Yes. And when we collect information from our environment, from ourselves, without judgment, but with open awareness, that's power in its best form. Because we don't have an agenda with it other than good, we hope. Um, But, uh, yeah, so... So there we go, increasing my uh, Master of Science and Organizational Leadership program at College of St. Mary, increasing its uh, reach and its influence, um, kind of branching back into corporate training and development, which is I came out of corporate training and development just before um, I went into my doctoral program, and uh, really exploring the infinite, world of, of mindfulness because you can always get a little better, yeah. a little better, a little better. And I love that. I love that.
0: I love that. And I love that you are, everything that you teach, everything that you talk about is about allowing people to show up and discover their authentic selves. Mm. And when people can do that, that's a beautiful thing.
1: That's a it beautiful thing. Is a beautiful <laughs> thing. Yeah. Thank you for saying it. It's true.
0: Um, and so I the time has flown, first of all, because I could we could talk forever. Um, we are just yeah. Um we could definitely go on and on forever. But I want to really reach individuals that that, you know, need to know where they can follow you. Maybe they're interested in joining the leadership program. Um where can our viewers do that and follow you and just get a get a grasp of all the wonderful things that that you're
1: doing. Oh, wow. Thank you. Um, first of all, I will apologize for my media presence. It's uh, mm, no. <laughs> minimal. Um, I, I do have LinkedIn, so absolutely follow me on LinkedIn, Beth Merkel, uh, B-E-T-H-M-E-R-K-E-L. Um, in Omaha, there are a lot of Beth Merkels out there, believe it or not, but um, Beth Merkel Omaha will get you to me. Um, you can also you know, contact me through LinkedIn or through the College of St. Mary uh, website, and that is csm.edu. So nice and simple. Um, but uh, you can go there, go to the directory, um, go to the, uh, what, gosh, academics, and then graduate programs, and then my program you can find all about. Find out all about the Master of Science and Org Leadership, and you can uh, contact me there. No, no problem at all.
0: Fabulous. Yeah. You are, a, Dr. Dr. Beth Merkel, you are a change maker. You are a leader, and you are inspiring and encouraging others to own their power, and we thank you for that. And I have no doubt that this podcast um, is going to really give a lot of confidence to so many people from listening to your story and listening to your journey. And you're probably going to have a ton of people sign up for your class. So <laughs> um, that's in your program. So you're going to have, like, more work ahead of you. Um, Fantastic. So um, I just can't thank you enough for being with with us here today
1: on Education with an Edge. Um, what an honor and a privilege. <laughs> sure. um, it's it's such a joy spending time with you and uh, with all your followers. So thank you for the opportunity and your time.
0: Absolutely. And you as well. Um, yes. And, and if you are... Um, you are an individual that is interested, um, please do reach out to Dr. Beth Merkel. Um, she's a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal professor, um, and uh, we'll believe in you and encourage you um, to take risks that um, are necessary to impact impact such important change. And um, we would like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors. Thank you to the Nebraska Foundation for Suicide Prevention, um, and thank you to Boys Town Suicide Hotline. If you are a young person um, or a person in general that's struggling right now, um, they have some excellent resources for you. Please remember we need your love and we need your light, um, and there there is so much light and so much life at the end of the tunnel. There's obstacles that we've all overcome and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time and we thank you for your support. This is Jekyll Lane signing off with Education with an Edge. Thank you.
1: If you have a question or just want to learn more, go to jekylllane.com Thanks for listening to Education with an Edge. Ahura Media Production